The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hey listeners, welcome to episode 63 of TGIC Podcast. And the first episode of 2023. <laughs> it's like already like late January. Oh my god, you didn't introduce yourself. Oh my god. Oh shit, we're really out of practice. We're so out of practice. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. Guys, um, I'm not going to do that whole apology thing because... We've done it every episode this year so far? I'm sorry. We're sorry. We really are. I just... It's 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 been, a lot. It's been... It's been rough. But we're back. And you know what? I'd like to make it a goal that over the next few months, you know, now college applications are done and stuff, like maybe, maybe we could do a little bit more. Hopefully. Hopefully more than we'll like we'll see. You know, the once end. every two months. Yeah. Um. Well, just just let's let's make it a goal. We could try to do a little bit better. Yeah. I think we could do it. I think we can too. I believe in us. Do we have life updates? Um. No, it's just January. Yeah, it's just January. Same shit. It's just January. January, honestly. My opinion: January, February, worst months of the year. No, they fucking suck. They they're the worst. I yeah. They I hate them. I, January is almost over though. Yeah, and then that's actually February. like really nice. But yeah, that is. And then February, it's like after February, it's like everything speeds up, and then we're gonna be done, and we'll never have to do like high school again. Okay. Sorry. Um. No, but yeah, like March, April, May, so fun. Yeah. March, April, May, June. I'd say. Then July is just too hot. I like July. I don't really like March, if I'm being honest. But oh, like yeah. March is kind of like a nothing month. Yeah. I like April and May a lot. I love April and yeah, I love April because I love like my birthdays in May and then it's like the end of the year. Like it's just festive yeah. times. My birthdays in April and also like it's just so pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty like everywhere. I don't know. Good times. Good times. But right now it's January and things suck. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's let's do an episode. An episode, shall we? Oh my god, this is so crazy. Izzy and I have been trying to record for an hour and a half. It's not even like Izzy actually has been on top of it today. She was like, let's let's try to record. I'm like, no, I want to talk. She's like, I needed some time. <laughs> we were about to start, and then I was like, I think I need to crack my back. And then we did like a whole thing <laughs> trying to crack each other's backs. Yeah. Anyways, now we're gonna actually start. Yeah. Yay. Okay, so today we're gonna be covering the disappearance of the Beaumont children in Australia. So we've actually had a couple of requests recently. Um, speaking of actually, everyone, this little shout out, um, in the link in our bio on Instagram, there's the link to our feedback form. So if you mm-hmm. ever have anything you want to share with us, you can totally share it there. Um, what I am going to also say is, cause I don't think we've discussed this on the podcast, our creeper. What creeper? Oh my God. So yes. we have a creeper on our fucking feedback form. He's like he or she or they, um, sorry, don't want to be rude. <laughs> they have, um, been like. This is probably a man. Only a man could do this. Or this is someone that goes to our school that's, like, fucking with us. I have no idea, but it's, like, really weird. It's really creepy. He, like, they keep sending him, like, really creepy shit, but it was, like, twice now. It's and been twice? Yes, there was a you second one. You didn't tell one. me there was I a second one. I told you there was a second one. When? Like, a month ago? It was in December, I think. Anyways. Anyway, we have a creeper. And so that's kind of weird. And it's, like, really weird because it's, like, if it's someone being serious, it's... It's really creepy. It's really like creepy. I just have to keep telling myself it's like someone that we go to school with like making fun of us. 
But, like, if it's not, that's, like, really fucking creepy. But anyway, if you want to, like, send us normal things on the feedback form. That's awesome. We really appreciate them. Yeah. And so, anyway, one of our feedback thingies was that um, we should do some more international cases. And you know what? I think that's cool. So, we're going to start today with the Beaumont children in Australia. Yeah. And it's also a missing persons case, which we've also been getting recommendations for. So, yeah. Or not recommendations. Requests. Requests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if... You're a creeper. Can you stop? It's really weird. It's really concerning. Um, but yeah, if you're somebody that goes to school with us and you're fucking with us, that's kind of like me. And that's like cyberbullying. Yeah, just like, why? And like, that's like, like hashtag such a not cool. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway, um, if you have real stuff, you know, you know, where the, you know where the feedback form is. You know where to find us. All right. I'm going to get started with background now before I talk more out of my ass. Okay. <laughs> So, the Beaumont children are three siblings. Jane, the oldest, was born on September 10th of 1956 and was nine at the time of their disappearance. Um, she was known to be very responsible, and I like. I feel like this is important to know because they were alone when they disappeared, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, she was rarely responsible, so their parents, like, kind of, like, let her do a lot on her own. Um, her dad is actually quoted saying that she's got the brain of a 15-year-old girl, so, like, you know, she was just very responsible and, like, very much, like, um, in charge of her younger siblings, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Arna was born on November 11th of 1958 and was seven at the time of her disappearance. And then Grant was the youngest, and he was born on July 12th, 1961, and was four at the time of his disappearance. Aww. The kids lived with their parents. Grant, who was um, also known as Jim, I think that was, like, his nickname. Um, he's Which is, commonly- where, where did that come from? I don't know. I don't ask questions. I just I just share information. Um, I think he went by Jim a lot, though. Um, sorry, I was gonna say, well, like, where did your name come from? Well, my name Izzy is. Izzy goes by a nickname for her middle name. You you really judge another people? Yeah, okay, I really shouldn't be. <laughs> um. Anyway, the kids lived with their parents, Jim and Nancy Beaumont. And their father had formerly served in the armed forces and then began working as a driver for suburban taxis. And then I think at some point he also became what was um, a traveling linen salesman. So he, you know, had some different careers. Um, man of many trades. Um, so they lived in Somerton Park, which is a suburb of Adelaide in South Australia. Also, I think that is such a pretty name. Somerton Park? No, Adelaide. Oh, yeah, Adelaide is a really pretty Somerton Park. I was like, I thought of, when I was thinking of Somerton Park, I was thinking of some, the Somerton Man. Yeah, that's, he's from Somerton Park. Yeah, I know. I realized that when I was looking. That's like the unidentified dude, but they identified him. Yeah. <laughs> so specific. Um, I, don't, I think Adelaide's a really pretty name, like for a person. Yeah. Um, the children frequently went to, you said it was Glenelg? Yeah, Glenelg. Right? Glenelg, yeah. Glenelg? Or is it Glenelg? I thought it was Glenelg. I thought it's well, Glenelg, what, we just yeah. looked this up we and watched the video. Watch video. Okay. It's Glenelg. Glenelg Beach, which was nearby their house. Um, the beach was really popular at the time, like super busy and touristy because a there's this big boom of like surf music and culture. Which this mm-hmm. is really off topic, but um, it's giving Malibu Rising. I just read Malibu Rising, and then I read it after her. Yeah, and it was really good. Actually, let me hype up Malibu Rising for a second because like I was not expecting to like that book because it's so like not. I don't even know. It was like not really. There was not really a, much of a plot there yeah, was in a way. Yeah, it was just like character development. Like yeah. super rich, flowery character development. And I like read through that book real fast and it's like not usually what I like but it was really good because it's by the same author of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo which is fantastic. And Daisy Jones and the Six. Well, Daisy Jones and the Six is not fantastic. I liked it. 
It was fun. I like both of them. Um, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, though, fantastic. That is one of those books, like, it had so much hype, and I was like, should I read it? Like, I don't know if it's actually going to be that good. And I was like, Jillian, you need to read it. It is so good. It is one of my favorite books. It was so, so good. Anyway, back to, you know, the missing children. Um, (laughs) Clearly, it's been a while for me. Also, I was telling Izzy, I'm also a little, like, spacey today because I had sugar in the afternoon because our school, like, opened an ice cream bar. <laughs> it's because Michelle Obama isn't in, like, yeah. the office of the Rosemary. But also, Michelle Obama's been, like, out for a while. Yeah, so I don't know what happened, but now we literally have ice cream at lunch. No, I know. It's, like, actually really bad, and they're selling it for really cheap. Like, it was, like, a dollar. And I got an ice cream sandwich, and I think that's, like, where I am having, like, a sugar rush from my ice cream sandwich. Michelle Obama was probably on to something about not serving sugar in schools. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle Obama, can you come back, please? <laughs> anyway, um, at the time of the children's disappearance, the beach was really busy because they were in the middle of the summer heat wave, which also I was like, that's so weird. It's January. But then I was like, they're in the other hemisphere. Oh. <laughs> so wait, is it summer during Christmas? Yeah. That's so- oh, wait, shit. They disappeared on January 26th. I know, I just Today's noticed January that actually. 25th. Wait, is this coming out tomorrow? Yeah! Oh, that's so cool! Okay. I love when we do weird shit like that. We I don't do, too. Notice. We don't mean to. Guys, it was so intentional. I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, anyway. They were in the middle of a summer heat wave, and it was also Australia Day. So, happy Australia Day to our Australian listeners. Yeah. Um, I think it's, like, um, July 4th, kind of. Yeah. But, like, not really, because I think it's actually in celebration of, like, when the British got there. Because, like, Australia still likes Britain, I think. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm so uninformed. I'm really I don't really know. Australia Day is, like, celebrating Australia, though. It's, like, adjacent, too. Yeah. It's, like, the same. It's, like, a patriotic holiday. Yeah. Is patriotism exclusive to America? America? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's about Australia. Go Australia. All right. Say Australia. I've always wanted to go to Australia. I do, but also I'm, like, really scared of, like, not, like, the big animals. I'm scared of the bugs. Yeah. I like Australians' accents. And I just want to see that. Mm-hmm. I want to see Australia as a whole. I think it's so pretty. I would love to go and yeah. I'd love to like do stuff. I'm just so scared that I'd be like the one individual that would like get bitten by a spider. You would be. Like I feel like I would be like like just sitting on the beach and like some big ass spider would like chomp on me and yeah. I would die. That's like last year I went to Florida and there were snakes underneath the pool chairs. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I was like, I literally, I like, could not remember. Yeah. That was so scary. Yeah, that was, no, that was really scary. Like, I don't, I don't like things like that. Like, I don't like creatures. Creepers. Creepers. Creepers and creatures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to get onto the timeline. This is a meaty one, guys. A meaty one? So, January 26, 1966, the kids asked their mom if they could go to the beach for the day. And they had actually gone the day prior and went without their parents, like, on a frequent basis. And Jim had actually taken them that day before, and he told them how to get to the beach as well as how to, like, some safety things, like how far they could safely swim out and not to not talk to strangers while alone, etc. However, because Jim was a traveling linen salesman, he had his first day back at work on the 26th after having a month-long summer break. That's so nice that, like, other countries give people, like, vacations. Like, that's so nice, for regardless of what job it is. Mm-hmm. And his first job was about 93 miles away, and he anticipated to be gone for a few days. So, on the 26th, when their father was gone, and their children was just, I mean, when their father was gone, their mom was just home, the kids wanted to go to the beach, and I assume that, obviously, like, their mom didn't worry too much about it because of their dad's, like, 
informative little beach vacay the day before and then also because of the time period like the 50s yeah it was pretty regular for them to do that well, it was yeah the 60s. or the 60s but yeah and since it was really hot outside because of the heat wave they also chose to take a short five minute bus ride to the beach instead of walking and it was like under a mile away and jane who was the oldest had become really familiar with the bus routes so her and her siblings could go places alone and like do it in a way that their parents trusted them to do so mm-hmm. So at about 8.45 in the morning, they caught the bus and were expected to return home on the 12 p.m. bus. And the bus driver remembered them boarding the bus at this time, and they were first spotted at the beach at around 10.15 a.m., playing in the sprinklers near Coley Reserve. And the last credible sighting of the children was at Wenzel's Cake Shop around lunchtime where they were eating. And by 12... The kids obviously didn't return home, and their mom began to worry because this wasn't what they previously decided upon. But she thought that maybe they'd, like, lost track of time, and they would just come home on the 2 p.m. bus instead. And I just, like, thinking about this, and I'm like, the fact that I have to text my parents every single place that I'm going every single hour of the day, like, I cannot imagine having this much freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, 2 p.m. came around. And there were still no signs of the children, so their mother immediately left into action for fear that something more sinister was to blame. At this point, there was a family friend over at the Beaumont's house, and they offered to drive Nancy, who was their mom, to the beach to look for the children. But Nancy wanted to be at home for when her children, like, inevitably inevitably got back to the house after their day. Like, she just assumed, Mm -hmm. like, the best, basically, of the situation. And right before 3 p.m., coincidentally, Jim returned home from his sales trip, like, a full day early, and he was the one who decided to drive down to the beach um, to find his children while Nancy stayed at home to help with the search. But once he got to the beach and looked for the kids, he couldn't find them anywhere, and their parents checked the streets and friends' houses, but they were literally nowhere to be found. Around 5 p.m., Nancy and Jim Beaumont went to the Glenig police station to report the disappearance. And, yeah, that was the day. Um, Then the following police investigation. I will say that for this case specifically, this is such a thorough investigation on their part. A, because I think it's not America. I think America's got issues. And then B, also, it's like three little kids. Yeah. And it's, like, peak of summer. Like, it's Australia Day. I'm sure that it's hectic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, the investigation started quickly, and by the next day, there was already a reward offered to the, like, for any information. The investigation began officially at the Beaumont residence so that the police could rule out basic explanations, like the children hiding in the house and playing or stuff like that. Then they started searching the nearby areas. The initial assumption is that the kids, like, just got lost or lost track of time or something. So they wrote Jim, as well as the police, rode around in a patrol car while they searched nearby Somerton Park and the route to the beach. This came up with no leads or information, so they just dropped Jim back at home, and he got into his car and resumed his own investigation. By the next morning, the disappearance... After the disappearance, an extensive search was underway, so the Sea Rescue Squadron boats scouted the ocean and beach for any sign of them. Transportation stations were alerted of the missing children, including airports and train stations. Roadblocks were put into place. Taxi drivers who Jim used to work with were spreading the word to everyone around the area, and people of all ages were participating in the search efforts. And I read somewhere that actually um, 
there was like a little Girl Scout troop involved in the search, which makes me so sad. And I just like this search was crazy. Like there were so many people involved in it. And I mean, like it expanded to the sand hills, the ocean, nearby buildings, the airport, and it continued for days, weeks, and months following this initial disappearance. Um, only a few days after the disappearance and reporting of the kids missing, a woman reported seeing the children at the Patawalonga boat haven around 7 p.m. on 26, and the police ended up draining the Patawalonga boat haven, but nothing was found. Okay, I'm going to get into suspects and theories. Oh. All right. The first one is the unidentified suspect. <laughs> the funny thing is, this is like the most prominent theory. The unidentified suspect. Okay. So there was a lot of like tips and ideas just being bounced around to police and a very interesting sighting came into the conversation when they were talking about it. Multiple witnesses had seen the Beaumont children playing in the sprinklers with a tall, blonde, thin-faced man. Also, I don't know what thin-faced Yeah, what does thin-faced mean? Is that like the man with the yellow hat? Yeah. Like yeah. that would be a thin face, Like right? a thin, yeah. yeah. Um, who looked to be like in his mid-30s. Police scrambled to identify this guy for multiple years and found nothing, which makes sense, like, because it's, like, you know, pretty, like, bland. Like, you know, it's, like, that could be yeah. anybody. Like, it literally could be anyone. Um, I mean, I don't I still not thin face just seems so weird. Like, it's so specific. But, like, you know, tall and blonde, that's not that specific. Yeah. Since his initial report, um, this supposed thin man has been connected to the case via others in the area which are like kind of similar um the disappearance of joanne ratcliffe who was 11 kirst 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 gordon who was four on august 25th of 1973 has been rumored to be connected the girls were at like a soccer match at the adelaide oval when they went to the bathroom during the game and didn't return witnesses called Sorry, witnesses recalled the event to the police and say that they saw the young girls with a skinny-faced man, and some say that they'd witnessed him um, forcefully taking the girls out of the stadium. Skinny, like, thin face. I just, like, that is so specific. Like, I would never mm-hmm. describe someone and say, they had a thin face. Um, another primary connection took place in 1998, more than 30 years later, when an alleged child murderer and serial sex offender named Arthur Stanley Brown was charged and arrested for the 1970 murders of the McKay sisters on the Flinders Highway in Queensland, Australia. And this is just really weird due to the fact that he, like, really fit the disappear- like the description of the guy from the Beaumont disappearance. And then this guy was, like, looked into, but the police could not find any solid evidence which connected him to the disappearance or even prove that he was in Adelaide during the time period. And, like, I just think it's kind of weird because there were a lot of stuff when I was reading about, like, um, them being spotted with a man, like, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the sightings, they were, like, a lot of people said they saw him with them with this guy. But it's also weird because, like, what I, from what I was reading, they, like, were seen, like, but it didn't seem like a weird, uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I read one sighting where, like, um... The kids, like, were waiting for him. He, like, the guy had to go change, and he, like, went into the bathroom, and the kids, like, waited outside for him. Which is, like, weird, because you would think, oh, they must know him. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, if that was, like, a hostage situation, like, they would have left at that point. Yeah. And then also, um, it's suspected that there was definitely somebody else at some point, because that sighting when they were at the, the cake shop or whatever... Mm-hmm. Um, the lady there apparently was, like, pretty familiar with the kids, because they went often, and so she knew that the 
their mom had only given, well, the mom actually later said that she had only given them enough money for the bus fare. Yeah. But then the kids were there buying treats. Which is like, how did they get that money? Somebody else would have given them money. So at some point, they definitely interacted with somebody. And so it seems like there must have been some sort of like other person Mm -hmm. that's like being like neglected in this case. That, like, they somehow knew and were close to. Which, it's, like, kind of scary that, like, the it's parents really didn't scary. know about this man that, like, worked his way into their lives. Yeah, and it's just, like, what if they did know him and he just wasn't investigated? Like, he was just on the outskirts of their lives? Yeah, I know, and that's probably what know. it is. Just so weird, I don't know. So, this theory is called the psychic theory. So, a man named Gerard Crusay, who was judge, a judge, a Dutch psychic claimed to have had a vision of the children's demise. When he claimed this, he was promptly flown out to Australia by a rich real estate developer in November of 1966. According to Crosset, he believed that the children were trapped under the floor of a warehouse, which used to be a brick factory. So specific. That is like, really specific. Yeah. Um, the authorities refused to bolster this guy's claims with an investigation, but citizens in the area raised to get the excavation underway. Under the eye of TV cameras and obviously the press, the excavation took place and they found absolutely nothing. Oh. Literally nothing. By November of 2013, and that was just kind of like forgotten. By November 2013, New Castelloy factory in the Adelaide suburb of North Plimpton was excavated following an allegation by two brothers that alleged that the building's late owner, Harry Phipps, had them dig a pit on the property on Australia Day in 1966. By this point, Phipps was long past, and he actually died in 2004, but this accusation was taken seriously because his son, Hayden, alleged that in 2007 that he was sexually abused by his father, and he also said that he had seen his father with the Beaumont children. Huh. Which is just, like, interesting. And, again, I mean, like, to a certain extent, this was taken seriously, but also it wasn't fully taken as a lead in the case until they had, like, this formal excavation by the police after finding an area, like, an anomaly in February of 2018, which is uh, multiple years later, Mm -hmm. that indicated to them that there had been, like, a digging in that area previously, which makes sense. I feel like they've dug that place up multiple times, so I don't really know. What was really significant about that, but they did, like, a super thorough search of the area, and not surprisingly, they came up with nothing. So, yeah, this kind of squashes his theory. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Well, you just think psychics are interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's interesting, too. Okay, so this is another, like, theory that, like, came up during, like, kind of the initial years after the disappearance, and this is the hoax letters. Um, that also kind of implies that they're fake to be in with. <laughs> Basically, it's just kind of a weird theory. So about two years after the kids disappeared, their parents received two different letters. One letter was supposedly from Jane, and it was actually, like, compared to her handwriting, and mm. it, like, seemed pretty legit. Like, the police definitely thought it was authentic or close to it. And then the other one was from the man that was supposedly keeping them. So the letter basically said that a man who was referred to exclusively as the man was keeping them and was acting as, like, their self-appointed guardian. And then he said he was willing to turn them over to their parents at, like, a certain meeting point. So they set up this meeting, but then no one ever showed up with the kids. And then the man followed up with a third letter saying that he saw, like, a detective was there, and that's why he didn't turn over the kids. No letters ever came after this third one. It kind of gotten, like, 
pushed aside or whatever. Nothing ever happened again. But then in 1992, which is like a long time later, new forensic investigation determined that it was a hoax and they were written by a teenage boy at the time. And like then because the crime was so long ago, they didn't charge like the 40 year old man. That's horrible. I know. That's like really fucked though. Like, yeah. Like why would you think that's like in multiple letters too? Yeah. And, like, to have it from, like, two different perspectives, I don't know. Like, that's, like, really fucked up. That's, like, how you're spending your free time. Like Yeah, like, why would you think, oh, I'm going to send this to this missing, like, this family who's missing three children. Play a sport. Yeah, play a sport. Get I some friends. Know. Like, don't do that. That's fucked. Like, that's just so messed up. Okay, so some final updates. In the past ten years, police have excavated some sites with possible connection to the Beaumont children. However, nothing has really ever turned up except for some animal bones, and to this day, the case is unsolved and is known as one of Australia's most notorious unsolved mysteries. So, this was the disappearance of the Beaumont children. Tune in again, hopefully in a few weeks. Let's hope. <laughs> for another new episode, and in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast, and make sure to fill out that feedback form in the bio. Bye! Bye.